0: For a lot of guys who are big picture visionaries, like they see the dream, but the nuts and bolts of how we're gonna get there drives them crazy trying yes. to figure it out. And I think for a guy like me, who's got that more of that wiring, that gifting, that's where I flourish. That's one of the most enjoyable things about the job is Hearing vision from our leadership team and saying, "Okay, how do we how do we build a system and processes and put those things in place mm-hmm. that allow us to move this vision forward?" You're listening to the Sin Columbus podcast, a conversation for developing strategies and sharing stories as we plant churches everywhere for everyone. Your hosts are Sin City missionary Chad Grigsby and church planting catalyst Jason Phillips.
1: Welcome back to the CIN Columbus Podcast. This is Jason Phillips, your Columbus CPC. I'm joined by Chad Grigsby, and we are lucky enough to have Troy Palermo back again. Troy, Troy?
2: Palermo part two.
1: Yeah, we looked at each other midway through the last one, and we were like, this is probably going to have to be too. And because so much good info. So much good info. Yeah. yeah. So, Troy, thanks uh, for coming back.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me back.
1: All right, so you kind of shared a little bit about the Genesis, and you talked a little bit about how when you guys came here, the roles were somewhat undefined, but now you've been in this executive pastor role for how long now at LifePoint? 12 years. Okay, 12 years. 10 years, 12 years, something like
2: that. What were you called
1: before? I was the community life pastor. Okay, which is what Nathan Sherman does now. Yes, yep. So share a little bit about what does that mean? What do you do as an executive pastor here?
0: So primarily just... I provide leadership, uh, directional leadership and coaching to a lot of our staff team, and then I also help to oversee the team on the business and operations side of things, and um, a big part of what I do is in the multi-site context to help, help kind of ensure alignment across our campuses as we launch campuses and work together to make sure that we've got multiplication kind of in our, our sites, and making sure that campuses all have what they need in terms of support and we can I think we'll talk more about that in a minute, but yeah, but that's the primary day to day of my role.
2: So I have a question about how you would this is kind of off the cuff a little bit. so but most church plants are poor <laughs> and they can't hire an executive pastor. Most planters, visionary preacher teachers need an executive pastor. Do you agree with that, statement?
0: Or, or, at the I mean, risk of offending the audience, <laughs> I mean, it's from my perspective, it's helpful. Yes,
2: but how do you how do you meet that need of the church plant if you can't hire the role? That's my yeah, so I memory. think
0: I, I think probably the first thing to do is just man look at spiritual gifts. So, hmm. if we truly believe that God has gifted and wired the local church with every gift that it needs, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. There's someone there that has the gift of administration. There's someone there that has the, uh, the managerial leadership experience there, leadership gift. In the congregation. In the congregation to, to look at those guys or ladies and say, hey, can you walk alongside me for this season to help me put my vision down on paper and mm-hmm. f- make it functional? because I think for a lot of guys who are big picture visionaries like they see the dream but the nuts and bolts of how we're going to get there drives them crazy trying yes. to figure it out and I think for a guy like me who's got that more of that wiring that gifting that's where I flourish that's one mm-hmm. of the most enjoyable things about the job is hearing vision from our leadership team and saying okay how do we how do we build a system and processes and put those things in place mm-hmm. that allow us to move this vision forward and way that that helps us to achieve the goal that we feel like gets laid out before us. So I have another question.
2: <laughs> Most guys if they are going to broaden their team, they think worship pastor. What order would if you're a teaching pastor or planting pastor, what order would you hire your first 2-3 staff? Who would they be in in what order?
0: Well, I mean, I think that's going to depend on context, right? Sure. So I I think for me, the, the family ministries role, um, okay. the administrative groups, uh, groups mm. to me groups were a huge key at closing the back door. Mm. In those early years, I, we talked in the last podcast about there are some families that are still around, you know, that were some of our original families, yeah. and I believe that groups were what closed those back doors. Um, for us, kind of my goal was always to keep an eighty five percent or higher connectivity rate between our sunday morning average attendance and our group connectivity mm-hmm. ratio. Mm-hmm. And so we've we've managed to do that and I think since since I've kind of stepped away from the day to day of groups our team really has that number over 90% and I believe that that's a big reason uh, that we've we've kept a lot of those people around for as long as we have because because they felt connected to someone beyond mm-hmm. our staff team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that group's role but but the groups admin leadership that can all kind of go together I think in one role especially early on yeah which was kind of my role in the beginning and and then um, then I would think about music obviously mm-hmm. and, and lead would be the four that I think are kind of critical what was lead lead pastor lead pastor. Yeah. Yeah.
2: What, when you say family ministries, for people yeah. that aren't quite sure what maybe that might
1: be. Yeah, occur. it would
0: it would be um, definitely kids, right? Kids, okay. And then also someone thinking about students, someone thinking about yeah. um, at least a first point of contact for families who show up with kids kind of in a broader spectrum. So, you know, maybe they've got a fifth grader and a eighth grader. And so they're not all in kids ministry, but somebody has to be able to share that. And I think one of the tensions that that we live in in those first three to five years of planting is, um, especially as we're resourcing our vision with people outside of our local context, it's maximizing all that God is doing. uh, Or I'm sorry, with people inside of our local context, it's maximizing all that God is doing here. So a family shows up, you want to share all the big things and all the work that God's up to You want to be able to share... Uh, how their family can connect and grow spiritually. Um, when you're when you're sharing outside of your local context, you're you're living in that tension of saying we have to have you. It's critical. We need mm-hmm. you to come alongside of us and help us help us move this vision forward. And I think early on at LifePoint, one of the things that that we ran into I can uh, comes to mind in particular is the families who would show up and say. Hey, we're going to come when you have a student ministry and Mm. how do you have a student ministry when no families are willing to commit that have teenagers right Mm. and so god bless this one family showed up with eight kids (laughs) and they were all teenagers and then we had another couple of families that were that came about the same time and i think we started with 12 to 14 students but most of them were in one family wow and then we began to catch some traction with families who had kids in that, that student age range, but particularly for kids, uh, and, and students having that family ministries person, it doesn't have to be a designated person that that's all they do, but certainly they're giving time and thought to weekend experiences, small group experiences for kids and students, um, helping families connect.
1: Chad, you could, you have two fourths of the, uh, pastor rolls down. <laughs> Well. Teaching pastor meeting, he goes to worship pastor meetings now, you just need a family ministry, and that's, it. that's really it, yeah, yeah. community Thank life, you, yeah, <laughs> you're welcome, <laughs> Putting that out. you should play the church, I this guess. This is about Troy, <laughs> this podcast is about Troy Palermo. <laughs> uh, so, Troy, what's your favorite part of what you get to do now, 18 years in?
0: Yeah, I think, I think now, um, especially in recent years, as I've gotten a little bit older, it's, it's, I'm really enjoying this season of coaching younger leaders Mm. and seeing them develop into who God has called them to be and kind of encouraging that as they grow and mature as leaders. So we're, we're in this phase now in year 18, where we hired a number of younger than us guys. Kind of, I think when we planted, Dean and I were both 33, Um, Mm. now we're in our early fifties, 51. And, Mm. um, so you know, when we hit close to forty, we hired some guys who were in their late twenties who are now in their mid to late thirties. And we're hiring this next generation behind. So we're, we're we're kind of working with three different generations of leaders. Mm. And it's been it's been fun to see, I think, the younger guys step in and mm. kinda learn what God's called them to and sharpen the mission there for their for their lives and and then watching some of the guys that were you know, They used to be in their 20s, even beginning to invest in and mentor mentor those young guys as well. So that's been a, that's been a cool, fulfilling part of, of this season of ministry, I think.
2: Yeah, so I feel like most people hire people similar to their age. That may not be true. That may be an op- observation that's incorrect. But I see you guys being intentional about hiring younger people. And I think it's really great. Do you see that, that most people hire a little bit old, you know, around their age? And, I mean, there's an intentionality about hiring younger people and why you do that. Can you talk a little yeah, bit Yeah, I think around? there's
0: definitely an intentionality for us. Um, you know, probably 10 years ago, I think Dean and I both watched some guys who were 10 years ahead of us, maybe even 20 years ahead of us, guys who were mentors to us, edge toward retirement Mm. and kind of feel stuck because there was no one to begin to pass that off to healthy in terms of um, just a plan. Yeah. And, you know, I remember we had a conversation about that. Like, how do we do that better? How do we do that well Mm. as we as we get older? And I think probably he's been more intentional about it as the lead pastor to think about most churches uh, 20 years ago the congregation tended to age at the same rate as the pastor mm. because a lot of the staff guys were in that same mm-hmm. age range and so they drew people who were in similar life stages right and so certainly for us i think we've we've tried to make an effort to say hey we don't want to we want to keep a diverse congregation in terms of of ages mm. and to do that we're going to have to hire Guys that are that are younger than us, you can also pay them less.
1: <laughs> Admit it, that's part of it.
0: <laughs> Chad, we I use, know how much I made when I started we working. We use here. a ministry scale that is fair <laughs> to everyone, based no. on experience.
1: <laughs> what I would add too is, I mean, I started working here when I was twenty two, and I'm twenty nine now. And I think the thing that I think about in the last almost seven years for me is that I don't know very many people that have left either. So you're hiring people when they're young and they want to stay here. Yeah. And I think that's something says something about the culture that you guys have created here is that yes. we it really feels like a family and we all really enjoy doing ministry together and we we want to be here and we believe in what we're doing and I know that I'm not the same person or pastor that I was 7 years ago and I'm thankful for it and mm. I'm thankful for the way that you guys have you guys built into our staff. So I personally am very appreciative of all that you guys have done.
0: Yeah, I think for us this is one of those things that probably unfolded a little bit along the way in the journey but we we figured out and are probably still figuring out that in order to keep people around you have to equip and empower them to lead out of who god has created them to be and so i think probably early on i don't i don't want to speak for dean but i think he would say this he and i both had a tendency to be higher control and less in power, and as we've grown, I think we both have tried to make a concerted effort to be higher in power, mm-hmm. lesser control. Yes. It feels scary at times, mm-hmm. and it allows guys to be fruitful and to flourish, and who God has created and gifted them to be, mm-hmm. and um, I think we see that a lot in our, our cross-campus teams. As I lead kind of our multi-site stuff. Um, it's, it's one of the keys for me is trying to maintain that standard of how do you, how do you equip empower, and release people to flourish and who God has created them to be as the lead across those teams. And so um, we're trying really hard in our multi-site approach to not be a top down uh, kind of a, kind of a church. We're trying to be a uh, kind of a both and a certainly larger picture leadership from from our leadership team, and at the same time, trusting our guys and our ladies to hear from the Lord and kind of live that out in a way that fits how they're gifted and yeah. the skill set that God's given
2: them. I will say, sitting in that teaching pastors group, Dean plans maybe two series a year. <laughs> That's incredibly open handed. From a lead pastor, in my opinion, I don't know many lead pastors that would be willing to give away the planning. Now he teaches all his stuff, and he's got tons of autonomy within that. But the fact that he empowers twenty-year-old, twenty-nine-year-old, you know, pa- pastors to you know plan those series that he's going to teach from—that's just one example—is incredibly empowering. Um, so, yeah, and I, but I think.
0: It hasn't always been that way, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. it, again, early on, you feel like you hold this thing in this embryonic stage in your hand that you're just gonna mess it up at any time. <laughs> and so it does tend to push you a little bit more toward control because you feel a sense of the responsibility of the people who've invested in you, yeah. uh, both churches who've invested in you and your friends who've, yeah. who've invested in the vision that God gave you. Yeah. But I think over time, as we get more established, just you realize that and if you're going to be a healthy organization you've got to allow people to use their gifts mm-hmm. and if we really believe that the holy spirit has empowered those gifts we have to trust him to do that and that doesn't come without coaching and i mean the thing that you you don't share there is that dean's not just cutting those guys loose and saying right hey go figure this out right there's right. coaching there's yes here's a, here's the way i do it and you and try there's one meetings and, every six weeks. Yeah, and, yeah, right. But but how do you build that next generation? How do you build that next multiplication? If you're not um, if you're not training, if you're not equipping, and, and, giving, and them not reps, giving them giving right? them opportunities. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um,
2: I will say, <laughs> I've been here three years, and I haven't worked for LifePoint those whole three years. Um, kind of work for life, Point. kind of, but. But um, I will say, so I, I started a church, so I know what it's like to start one and and it be your your kid. Obviously you've you were you've been here 18 years. I was only at mine for about six years. so it's a little different. But when I got here three years ago, I felt a burden every time I got on the platform because you, you not just you, but you guys relocated your entire lives. You came here to be very poor. <laughs> you had to build something from scratch. I came here three years ago and inherited. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? So I think there's a like a a healthy, like I have to be super careful <laughs> that I come in and be humble and aligned because I just i I've, I was born on third being here. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I, I said that, but I, I think it's maybe just to say, I get that. I get, I get how much of a, a quote unquote risk it is. It's not to 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 invest in leaders and empower them. That's extremely. You are you're taking control away from it. But I think it's the results are five campuses, over four thousand people. Right? Like,
0: Yeah. And, and I think you learn along the way, too, that you don't get all your preferences, even though you're a member of the planting team, right? There's <laughs> yeah. Sometimes there's something that we choose to do that wouldn't be my preference. And hmm. if you're really going to empower guys and ladies, you have to allow them sometimes to choose their preferences, right? And so wow. I do a lot now of self-check on, is this a preference or is this a biblical value that's, being violated and you know if it's something that I feel like is biblically needs correction obviously we're correcting those things as a team but more often than not it's just not the way that I would choose to personally do it but I'm also not having to personally run that ministry on a day-to-day basis and I wouldn't want somebody micromanaging me and so Mm -hmm. you know allowing taking your hands off and allowing Mm -hmm. you know you you've got kids who'll be driving five years, yeah. maybe. Yeah, and it's probably not your preference to send them out in your car. And <laughs> at some point in time, it's going to happen. You got to right? give them the keys, yeah. right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you alluded earlier to some of the cross-campus role that you're currently doing, and it's—I almost said that you just started doing it, but really, it's almost been two years since you've been yeah, sitting a over to Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of meetings? A lot of, meetings. a lot of meetings. A lot of meetings. <laughs> yes. So why don't you sh- why don't you share a little bit about what you're doing, uh, for LifePoint Cross Campus, and why that's been kind of crucial to um, the health of the LifePoint model? Yep.
0: So, you know, I mentioned earlier we've we've tried to multiply uh, congregations. So I think I think at the root of it, what we say is we want to be a church that multiplies disciples, that multiplies groups. That then multiplies campuses or congregations into more localized areas, and so for us, we've we've committed really to two things that don't necessarily work well together. Um, one is we've committed to as much as we're able have a live teaching pastor at each of our campuses. Um, not that live streaming is wrong, but just for us, we've we've chosen to try to have a live teaching pastor at each of our campuses. Alongside of that, we've chosen to have very highly aligned processes and calendar, and those two things don't always work seamlessly together, mm. right? And so one of the things that I really appreciate about our teaching pastors is everyone comes to that campus leadership role with a sense of humility to say, again, I don't have to have all my preferences, right? Mm. So if, if there's a guy who um, has to do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it, he might struggle in our system, And um, part of my role is to make sure that our calendars and processes are aligned across our campuses and also that every campus has what it needs to be successful. And so uh, the the way that we typically have done that is we have five core values. So gospel identity, reaching priority, authentic community, spiritual intimacy, and personal ministry. And those five core values are really our roadmap. For kind of where we're going with each of our campuses. And then we have some alignment guidelines that we call our iPods that serve as the guardrails on our systems and processes. And then we have our style guide that serves as a guardrail for our, our culture. And really, my role is to help our teams kind of stay on the road inside the guardrails while we're equipping them and empowering them to lead out of their, their specific context. And so what that practically looks like is we have, we have six teams that are made up of pastors, point people from each campus. So we have a worship team. We have a student college team. We have a groups and connections team. We have a missions team. We have a kids team. And then we have a teaching pastor central team. And I gather each of those teams in the fall of the year And they plan the year out together. So each campus has input and each campus has implementation responsibilities. And then once all those plans are proposed, um, I meet with our teaching pastor and central team meeting. They make any recommendations about tweaks or anything like that. And then we all agree on the plan. And then that's how we build our budget as well. So kind of Mm -hmm. once that plan's in place, we're able to budget around that plan. Then as the new year rolls around, I meet with each of those teams every month, and basically we work together to implement the plan that we developed as a team. And so we're, we're really shooting for alignment and all those things, but we understand that we're the same at scale. So part of my role is also to make sure that uh, for a guy, a guy like Paul, who just launched our Marion campus, what, six, eight weeks mm-hmm. ago? There are things that he can't do yet that Lewis Center, which is our oldest campus at 18 years, can do. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you've got Delaware and Westerville and Plain City, which is one of our newer campuses, kind of all at different life stages in between. And mm-hmm. so um, really for me, I'm in each, each of those campuses' weekly staff meetings so that I kind of know what's going on in implementation on a practical level and can kind of make sure that what we're asking everybody to do is really feasible. Um, and that the implementation that we've kind of all agreed agreed upon at the end of the year, beginning of the year, is, is going as smoothly as possible. And then just resourcing them as much as I can to help make sure that they have what they need. I think one of the things, too,
2: you do really well is you guard the LifePoint DNA. Like, I think you talked about the preference versus kind of that biblical value. I think also having somebody in those meetings that knows life point DNA cause you help create it. But then um, someone who's in other campus meetings and you just have this, like, it's always important to have that. It's like quality control, I guess. Right. <laughs> like it's kind of what you do, a part of what you do. Um, it's
0: just crucial to that alignment. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think having someone um, in those meetings gives each of our campus teams a voice, right, mm-hmm. and it allows them to be heard, right. Um, and at the same time, a worship pastor who has twenty years experience and a part-time or volunteer worship pastor, right mm-hmm. they they both they both have voices into the process, but it's not necessarily a democratic process. Mm-hmm. So if it comes down to a decision right you're going to lean more on the experience of the guy or the lady who's been in it for a long time uh-huh, uh-huh. versus maybe the person who's doing it as a as a weekend uh, on a weekend contract basis until the mm-hmm. campus can grow to the point to where they've they've hired someone uh, to be to oversee that area right um, but i think it does two things it, one it allows our newer campuses to lean on the experience of some of our older, more established campuses. Mm -hmm. And it also allows them not to have to hire a full-time person to think about those areas because they have a whole team of people with combined years of experience that are thinking about that. Mm -hmm. Um, My Part of my role is just to make sure that as we think about that, the three most experienced campus guys, whatever role they're in, are considering the other two that maybe are part-timers or, volunteers right Uh uh and as we make plans and as we implement plans we're doing it in such a way that we're not we're not plowing over um, those and just those those leaders and just saying hey you got to figure it out right we we have to be responsible and what the expectations are there with with um, with the newer campuses and the way our iPods are laid out I stands for initial uh, P stands for priority O is optional and D is don't don't ever do. So the initial is, here's the here's the things that you have to have to be a LifePoint campus from day one. The priority is, here are the things that are important, but maybe you can't get to those things within the first year or two, right? So we're, we're building a plan to work toward those, but maybe they're not there on day one because of size and scale. But I think that support for one another is super encouraging. And I believe when we're launching campuses, uh, those guys launch day one, probably where we were, year two yep. in our initial launch. No so it, it fuels and catalyzes a, a giant step forward for them, mm-hmm. kind of from the first day. You're, you know, we're typically sending a hundred plus people uh, that are DNA carriers that are trained and kids and mm-hmm. connections and um, they're givers, and so so it's a, it's a big deal. It uh, is a big deal. To, to have that kind of approach.
2: Well, Troy, you've given us over an hour of your time uh, between the two podcasts. And so I just want to say thanks so much. Did you have anything else, Jason, to, to ask follow-up wise?
1: Can you please give us just a really short, funny story from the Life Point Church history?
0: <laughs> well, I know you guys mentioned uh, <laughs> the, uh, the video that we did early on when you, I think when you were talking with, with Ryan... You li- did go. you listen
1: to it? Yeah, I listen to your
0: podcast. You listen to our oh podcast my too. <laughs> oh, no, Troy. You have okay. better things sometimes to do. Sometimes. I don't together. listen okay. to everyone, That's right? But um, so you know, again, this was the day before social media right, so we we got this idea. Everybody was doing mailers at the time. So we decided we're going to make a DVD. And so we did this DVD. We didn't have a steady cam. But we went all over town, like, shooting these shots. And it was these transitions between our pastors. And so, like, at one point, somebody walks by Dean sharing some vision. Dean's drinking out of a water fountain. And as the guy walks by, Dean stands up and continues the conversation. Um, and to go back and watch it now, it's like the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan, you know, where they're getting off the boat in the attack, and it's shaky. It's nauseating. The best
1: one is when they're getting off the who, – who got off the bus – was that David? you? That was David, that was David Tillman. David? Okay. Yeah, David yep. Tillman. Got <laughs> that one was awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got
0: yelled at by the bus driver, <laughs> even though we had permission. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, fun stories. We got penalized. The post office fined us because we had this rule. Um, you know how sometimes in early church plants, like people show up with their own agendas and their own ideas? Yes. We had this one guy who had a lot of agenda and ideas, but he was also like really on fire to <laughs> To share about LifePoint, so he took about two hundred of these DVDs and just stuck them in people's mailboxes (laughs) without postage. Oh no! And we got a call from the post office (sighs) inspector saying you owe us two (laughs) hundred dollars. Oh my! And we didn't have two hundred dollars at the time, so that was a bummer. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. Uh, But hey, one of the families that was one of our initial families got the came because of the DVD, and they're still here today. I actually think the DVD
2: was very innovative. It, yeah. it was, it for was for the time. For, yes. For the time. It was very innovative, very creative. And, uh, and so I, 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 of course I was back in the, those times, I was just cutting my teeth in ministry. So I was like, wow.
0: Yeah. If so you, I thought it was pretty if you wander into a Goodwill on the north side of Columbus <laughs> and look in the section, there's, Every now and then, you'll still find a LifePoint DVD.
1: I may have one at my house. Yeah, and if you want to see it, Jason can set up a screening for I think you. we yes.
0: gave away 5000 and that was another, like, we had a guy that said, hey, I love this idea. If you want to do it, I'll buy 5000 That's cool. And so, yeah. Wow. He paid for us to do the DVD, and the
2: rest is history. Rest well, is Troy, history. thanks again, man. This was incredible. And I uh, really appreciate just you sharing and sharing your personal story and about LifePoint and just giving us your
0: time.
1: Really great. Yeah. Thanks, Troy. Thank you.
0: Thanks for checking out today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And remember, every church is a multiplying church in the making.